Well, good morning. How y'all doing back here in the cheap seats? Y'all doing all right? Well, Sherry and I are glad to be here. We have a special guest with us today, and he is our grandson, Zane. Zane, why don't you stand up? <laughs> He's a senior in high school and a musician, and he needed a break, so we brought him to Florida. But we're thrilled to be here. The last two years have been interesting, and uh, I'm glad we see the end inside and, uh, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel, and it's not a train. Sherry and I have been very busy. Uh, doing what we do the last couple of years. I'll tell you more about that in a little bit. One of the things that we did was um, I had written a few songs about food. And, uh, and I kept joking. It's like, I'm going to do a whole album about food. And then somebody said, well, you know, you're cooking all the time. So why don't you just do a cookbook? So... We wrote this 196-page, super-fabulous cookbook called I'm Hungry. <laughs> Music, family, and friends. And so all of our friends, a lot of our friends participated in this. Uh, Brenda Richards per participated in this. Uh, my friend Mark Gunger, he wrote a recipe. You all know Mark? He wrote a recipe. It's called Old Fashioned Pizza Exactly the Way You Like It. Here it is, number one, decide what ingredients you want. Number two, decide what kind of crust you want. Number three, call the local pizza parlor and in 20 minutes they'll bring it to you. <laughs> but there's all kinds of paleo, keto, uh, southern, southwestern, all kinds of stuff in there. And so from that, I decided I would record an album called I'm Hungry. And so we released this last April, in April of 2021, and it uh, came on to the top 50 contemporary blues albums in the world in April. It stayed there until just a few weeks ago. It uh, was in the top 10 for seven weeks and made it all the way to number three. So I want to sing a song off of I'm Hungry for you. I'm going to the church next week, and they said, we don't want you singing them food songs in church. This song is, a sad, this is the saddest song I've ever written. It's, it's just horrible, and uh, it's a true story, and it goes like this. Y'all, fired up anytime. to the doctor the other day the doc said boy you got to quit eating that way you got to cut out the cheese and the fried foods i said doc what's a brother supposed to do i went home and i told my wife she 
She said, baby, you're gonna take his advice Cause we can't have you sick and feeling bad You're not gonna like it, but don't be sad Cause mama won't fry no chicken Mama won't fry no chicken There ain't gonna be no finger licking Cause mama won't fry no chicken Sometimes when I'm by myself, I get tempted and I can't resist. I drive by a church's Popeyes and KFC, then stop it, go chicken, go and get a piece of sweet tea. Because mama won't fry no chicken. Mama won't fry no chicken. There ain't gonna be no finger licking. Cause mama won't fry no chicken Baby, your fried chicken is the best I've ever had And to live without it, it just makes me mad So pull out the skillet, throw some dark meat in the pan And make me some gravy, I'll be a happy man But mama won't fry no chicken Mama won't fry no chicken. There ain't gonna be no finger licking. Cause mama won't fry no chicken. Mama won't fry no chicken. Mama won't fry no chicken. There ain't gonna be no finger licking. Cause mama won't fry no chicken. Oh, come on, baby, fry me some chicken. I need me some dark meat, some biscuits, and some gravy. Mm-hmm. Mighty fine. I don't want no mashed potatoes, though. Those are for old people. And just to sanctify it, in case you didn't know, chicken is considered to be the gospel bird. (laughs) Well, you know, one of the things that I love so much about the Lord is that every morning when we wake, the Bible says that his mercy is new. And it's not yesterday's mercy it's just mercy for today. And, you know, I need a whole lot of that. How many of you, y'all back in the cheap seats, y'all, y'all got that? All right. So that's what this song talks about.
if the band will show up. There you go. Can I tell you a story from not too long ago?
Thank you, thank you. Cool. It's so good to be here. I can't tell you how happy I am that uh, we were received the invitation to come. Sherry and I are actually uh, here in Florida. We're celebrating our anniversary, um, which was in December. And um, for those of you that don't know our story, we uh, Sherry and I were married and divorced. And we actually wrote a book about our stories back there on the table called Granny Paid for Our Divorce. Because our first marriage was so bad that my grandmother actually paid for our divorce. So uh, we, we're counting right now, it's uh, 45 years since we remarried, 48 years total. And so we decided that once uh, we hit 50, or, you know, two years from now, it's like we're forgetting the, the second date. It's like, ah, we're 50, you know, that's cool. So, so anyway, we're, uh, we're just thrilled to be here. Let me just mention a few things more that are back on the table that are new since we were here last. Uh, some of you may have read my book, Don't Take Your Dreams to the Grave, which is a book of encouragement. But while locked down, I wrote a 260-page workbook that goes as a companion with the book that also comes with a 24-episode video series. So if you're starting off your new year and, uh, you know, you want to get a jump start on your dreams, then that resource is back there. And then uh, I mentioned this story before when we were here, but last May we finally got this book done. It's called The Little Girl Wins. And it's by my daughter, Jessica Strong, and myself. And Jessica's story is that uh, we didn't get to meet Jessica until 10 years ago. And so this is the story of how God put together every little intricate piece so that we could meet and become family. And it's a, it's a very intimate, personal book for our family. In fact, when you get back here in the gray pages... These are the actual words that we use to reconcile. We saved all of the texts and email. We didn't ever talk to each other on the phone until we met face-to-face and in person. So all of those words are there. And it's amazing how many people have a similar story to, um, to our family in that, you know, for whatever reason, we, our relationships get severed through, you know, fear, guilt, uh, mistakes, anger, all of those things. You know, God, has a, God is a relationship God. His desire, the whole theme of the entire Bible is, you know, you, if you don't know that, the Bible has a single theme, and here it is. God's desire to be a father with a family. And so he's all about this relationship thing. And then one more thing, and then I'll get into my message. Uh, with the cookbook, there's also, um, you've got a, some aprons that say I'm hungry on it. And uh, there's a seven-piece barbecue set back there. But then we just had, you know, since we're in Kansas City, you know, the barbecue capital of the world. Come on now. Go Chiefs. I got to hurry up after church and get back to the house so I can watch the game, you know, at 630. But we brought, we took on a line of, of really fabulous barbecue rubs by Oak Ridge Barbecue. So these are... Like they're all fresh made, non-GMO, no caking agents. They're just spectacular rubs. Oak Ridge is one of the most recognized competition barbecue rub companies in the world. 
And so we have some of those for you grillers back there. But, uh, but anyway, um, also, you know, just to give you an update, because you're going to give to us, uh, to the offering, just to let you know about our ministry. For the last two years, you know, we, we, have, we started in 2000, the year 2000, traveling uh, primarily in churches, and then my music started coming back to us, and that opened up the doors for us to be in outside of the church so we have it you know our, our mission is twofold it's inside like we are today in the church ministering to the saints encouraging people to believe on jesus and then outside and so you know come 2000 i mean i told shannon we were here in in late february i believe it was of um, of 2000 of 2020 we got home the day before the shutdown started and um so we were we were dead I mean, we, were, we couldn't do anything. We couldn't go anywhere. Uh, you know, all the churches were struggling and doing whatever they did. And so, like everybody else, we went online and started streaming. So I have a stream that I do at, at 6 o'clock Central Time. So that would be 7 o'clock Central Time on Wednesday. And then at uh, 9 o'clock, your all's time on Sunday morning. And it's interesting because my top audience, my number one audience is Kansas City. My number two audience is Kathmandu, Nepal. My number three audience is Bangladesh. But uh, so we decided, you know, we're locked up. We've got to have some kind of creative way to do what we do. So we started taking our books, our resources, and uh, sending them to prisons. So last year, we sent several thousand books into prisons. Uh, just this la in December. We had two prisons scheduled in Kansas that we do normally at Christmas time, and um, one of the prisons got COVID, and the other prisons had no guards because they couldn't get guards, so they locked everybody up. 1,350 men in a supermax prison, they locked them up 24 hours a day. And so we decided that we would help the, the prison uh, chaplain buy a gift for all the inmates, and... Uh, he needed $13,775 to buy a gift a bag for all of the inmates, which would include soap, shampoo, candy, um, you know, like a beef stick, and just some odds and ends. And so they, he was able to raise $6,000, and so I put the word out, and we raised $12,300 just like that to buy that. And then they're using the overflow from that to, um, they have an in-prison television network, and so the chapel's getting set up so that they can broadcast 24 hours a day into every cell in the place. And then beyond that, um, we wanted to do something beyond that, and so what we did was we took 1,350 of our Granny Paid for Our Divorce book, which is a hardback book, and we took those and gave those to go in the bag so that every inmate in that prison got one of our books. So <clears throat> we just had to find ways. And so if you would like to send a book to an inmate when you come back to the table, our books cost about 10 bucks for us to pr produce. So if you want to buy something and then give $10 beyond that, we will take those books and go. Okay, enough, no more music, no more commercials. All of those things. It's been so long since I've done a service, you know, I don't know how to do this anymore. Let's pray. Father, thank you for allowing us to be here together at this unique moment. 
Lord, may your voice speak to us, and may we be transformed. May our, our thinking, our belief system, Lord, how we see the world, how we interact in the world, Lord, may it be transformed in Jesus' name. And when we leave, may we do the word. Amen. Amen. So today, I'd like to talk to you about a very delicate subject, aging. And I've titled this, this message, Aged Relevance. So how is it that we age and stay cool? So I'm 67, I'll be 68 in May, and when I hit 70, I'm going to a whole nother level of cool, just, just so you know, I'm going to a whole nother level. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about life, and it has a lot to say about aging. The Word of God and God Himself have an entirely different view and opinion than our culture, and sadly, the church. So I want to look at the, look at the Bible today and discover what God's value is for people with some days behind them. Because after all, like it or not, we're all going to age. And my reason for sharing this message isn't because I'm old. I, by the way, uh, while we were locked down, Sherry and I got new parts. We did. I got two new knees, and I'm no longer bow-legged. And Sherry got a new hip. I was looking at the brochure the doctor gave me on my knees, and it said, what's it like to get a total knee replacement? It's just like anything else. You take out the old parts and put in the new. That's, that's a quote. So I'm not preaching this because I'm old. I'm preaching it because I see people being devalued, young and old. And there's such unbelief around aging. I mean, it's amazing. When I hit 60, I had the blues for a couple of years because I was freaking out because all of this unbelief just came flooding into my heart. You know, it's, it's over. You're done. You're not relevant. You can't be useful. You don't have anything to contribute. All of those things. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Y'all had to process all of that stuff. And so... I started resisting that unbelief. In fact, I wrote a song about it on my Secretly Famous album. It's called, When I Fall Apart. My favorite line in this song is, Watch me go up in flames as I fall apart. You know, it's like I might be walking around with a stick, but I'm still going to be relevant. I'm still going to be pertinent. Psalms 92.14 says this, Psalms 92.14. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age, and they shall be fat and flourishing. Some of y'all putting on some pounds, it's right there. It's a promise of God right there in the Bible. <laughs> Here it says we're going to bring forth fruit. 
Proverbs 16.31 says, Proverbs 16.31 says, Gray hair is a glorious crown. It is found in the ways of righteousness. I was out the other day and some little girl goes, do you color your hair? It's like, no, but underneath there's all this gray. I figured out a new reason for my long hair too. It covers up all that stuff growing out of my ears. Psalm 71, 18, Psalm 71, 18 says, Even while I am old and gray, God, do not abandon me. While I proclaim your power to another generation, your strength to all who are to come. I just love those verses. I found this report. I was doing some study on this. Or it just popped up in one of my social media feeds, and it was published uh, in 2018 by the New England Journal of Medicine. And it says this, quote, An extensive study in the USA found that the most productive age in human life is between 60 and 70 years old. The second most productive age of a human being is from 70 to 80. The third most productive age is between 50 and 60. The average age of a Nobel Prize winner is 62. The average age of presidents of prominent companies in the world is 63. And this one freaked me out. The average age of pastors of the 100 largest churches in the USA is 71. So it just, that whole thing just kind of shook me. It's like, wait a minute. Our culture tells us that if you're not a 20-something or a 30-something in the church, that you really don't have anything to say. But yet, the research says, if you're in your 60s, 870s, or 50s, you're in the most productive stage in life. So how is it that we continue in our age to continue to be relevant? Well, I've got, let's see, how many things do I have here? i got ten things that I have written down that I think are important. Are you ready? Number one, people who are relevant are authentic. They are themselves. My equation is authenticity equals relevance. It doesn't matter how, how you're dressed it doesn't matter if you got skinny jeans, and I don't, I don't know, these, these aren't skinny jeans, but they're pretty close. Uh, I wouldn't do that to myself. It's like, you know, <laughs> it doesn't matter as long as you are yourself. And that, by the way, is a big deal to God. Because the entirety of the fall of man was around one thing. Them not believing that they were who God said they were. The temptation of Jesus was about the same thing. Oh, Jesus, if you are the Son of God, then prove this by your performance. Jesus had to believe that he was who God says he was. And we have to do the same thing. Being ourselves is the quest of life. Discovering and being ourselves. Number two, people who are relevant 
place their family first. Throughout our entire journey, one regret that I have is not believing that this was possible. And I, for about a seven-year period of time, put ministry above my family. And I have to tell you that I regret it now because as things are winding down, you know, at some point, we're not going to be able to do what we do. Then guess what I got left? My family. And God is in the business of family. That's what this whole thing is about, is the kingdom. Number three, people who are relevant are deeply respected and respectful. One of the things I can't tolerate is people who bash other people or other movements. So you know how it is. Some new thing comes along, you know, in the church. Some new new hip thing comes along. It's the deal. It's the new the new pet doctrine, and all of a sudden people are downplaying everything else. It doesn't have anything to do with commitment. It doesn't have anything to do with where you're planted. It doesn't have anything to do with anything other than it is new. It's the best show in town. And, I, you know, it's one of the things that I don't like is I don't like people who bash those things. We should be in the business of celebrating each other's successes and helping each other through our failures. Because after all, failure is an experience that's common to man. It happens to everybody. We're all going to fail. That's why Jesus came and took care of all that stuff for us. Number four, people who are relevant respect the next generation. Again, don't bash or belittle those who are just starting Remember this, you once were just starting, and one of the things that you probably wish that you had were more cheerleaders in your corner that were cheering you on. We shouldn't be bashing those that are younger or bashing those that are older or discounting each other. Why? Because we need both. We need the zeal of youth and the experience and wisdom of age. Marty Stewart, y'all know who Marty Stewart is, country singer? He tried to buy my boots off of me one night. They were too big. He goes, I'll stuff toilet paper in the toes of them. I like them so much, I wouldn't sell them to him. Marty Stewart said this, we're guilty as a culture of disregarding people because they're a little bit older. I believe once great, always great. If you disregard an older person, you kick wisdom, experience, and education out the door. The most undefeatable combination to me at the same microphone is the fire of youth blended with wisdom and experience. Good things usually happen, end quote. Jesus said it like this in Matthew 13, 52. He said, Therefore, every scribe who has become a disciple of the kingdom of heaven is like the head of a household who brings out of his treasure things that are new and fresh and things that are old and familiar. We have to have that combination of both. 
you know, it's, uh, it's interesting because Sherry and I have traveled for so many years in different churches, and I watch as churches emulate other churches, especially in music. And that's, that's fine. I'm not degrading that. But we were in a church one time out in the middle of nowhere, Missouri, you know, population 20 or something. Big church, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And they were trying their best to do the latest contemporary songs, and it was like not working. And some old guy, old farmer in overalls, got up with an acoustic guitar and started strumming a song, and it was unbelievable. It wasn't that he was good. It was that he was authentic. And because he was authentic, what he presented connected, and it was relevant. So we need both. We need both young and old. Number five, look at that. I'm halfway done. I'm rocking. It's only 1101, and I'm halfway done. That sounds like a song right there. Number five, people who are relevant, stay busy. Stay busy. And I say it like this to those of us that have some, some miles on us. Don't stop using your gift. Don't stop using your gift. And that's the way it's presented to us in our culture. It's like you hit 65, you're done. But no, it's just you find another place to use your gift. In Proverbs 18, it says that a man's gift makes room for him and sets him before great men. And that word gift, I was studying that one day, and it was one of those, gosh, I can't believe I didn't know that. And I looked up in the Hebrew the word gift, and here's what it said. That that you presently have to give away. A gift. That which you presently have to give away. And you see, what you have to give away might not seem like it's of great value to you, but it just may be of great value to who you give it to, who you share that gift with. I shared this point in another sermon at a conference I was speaking at, and uh, a few weeks later I got an email from a lady that was in that conference, and she said, you know, because I did, I did a whole extensive thing about how we devalue our gift. We look at, you know, we, we, we judge ourselves. And self-judgment may be the worst kind of judgment ever because we never, we never judge ourselves correctly. And uh, that's why we have the, the word to, as a mirror so that we can behold ourselves in the mirror. And, uh, and she said, you know, you talked about devaluing your gift, and I got home and there was a, a family that moved into our neighborhood that immigrated here from another country and... I heard that the, the spouse of the house, the, the wife of the house, that her mother passed away. And I wanted to do something to express my condolences to them. And I couldn't think of anything that I thought had any value or would be meaningful. And she said, and then I heard, don't devalue your gift. And she, so she thought, I'm going to bake a loaf of bread. And so she baked a, a, home, a, a loaf of bread and took it down to the house and knocked on the door. And the lady of the house came to the door and she said, you know, she expressed her condolences. And she said, and I brought you a gift. 
is a loaf of bread. And she handed it to the lady, and the lady instantly started weeping. And she said, you know, you have no way of knowing this, but this loaf of bread reminds me of my mother that just passed away. Because my mother always baked bread. And the one, one of the regrets that I have with my mother's passing is she never taught me how to bake bread. And to that the lady said, may I teach you how to bake bread. It opened up a door. And it doesn't matter where you're at in, the, in, the, in your path of life. You have something in your life right now that is of value to someone else that you can use to give away. Every time I talk about this, I always think about my garage because it's full of stuff. You know, it's so full of stuff, I had to get a storage unit to put all the stuff that I couldn't put in my garage in the storage unit. We have all kinds of things that we can give away. People who are relevant stay busy. Number six, people who are relevant continually take risks. Now that you've gained some wisdom, why not take some risks by trying something new? You know, just find something that interests you. Get outside, join a group, go bowling. Y'all still bowl in Florida? Y'all a bunch of rednecks. You got to bowl in Florida. <coughs> but take some risks. Try something new. <coughs> I promise I don't have Corona. I've had it twice. So, so has Sherry, so we're good. <laughs> That's the truth. We had it twice. We had it just like three weeks ago. What was that? Somebody said something, some wisecrack from the audience. Jerry had it twice in the last 90 days. She's really working on it. That's enough of that stuff. Number seven, people who are relevant continually surprise us. It's the coolest thing, man, because you don't, you don't go out and act like you're something you're not, but we always should live with this childlike wonder. You know, we were driving over here today from St. Augustine, in, uh, and man, it's just like we were, you know, it was amazing how flat the roads were. <laughs> it's like when Sherry talked about, look how flat this road is. It's like there's no hills nowhere. How cool is that? You know? I wish I was riding a bicycle. No, not really. But we live with this wonder that keeps us engaged. You know, it all depends on how we see things. We can get all crotchety and grumpy and old and, you know, don't want to be bothered by anybody. Well, what fun is that? You know, I mean, we need to be those people that are engaged with wide-eyed wonder at the, at the world that we live in and the goodness that God has bestowed upon us. Jesus said it like this in Luke 18, 17. Assuredly, I say to you that who, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God 
as a little child will by no means enter in. And, and I believe it's like, you know, we don't receive what's happening in the world around us, the kingdom around us. We're not going to be able to really perceive that kingdom unless we have that childlike innocence that takes the time to look at the world, to see the beauty, to find the good, to help those that need help, even when there's drama involved. You know, it's like, I need a sign that says, no more drama. <laughs> and that ain't a reality right there. That's what I'm saying. Number eight, people who are relevant connect with others. If we're going to stay relevant, we have to stay engaged and we have to connect with other people. And this happens intentionally. It's so easy for us to just, you know, sit on a couch with the scepter of dominion. That's why, ladies, he changes channels all the time. You know why? It's the only thing he's in control of in life. <laughs> now, we have to be intentional if we're going to continually connect with others. And we have to resist isolation. Proverbs 18.1 says, A man who isolates himself rages against all wise judgment. It's not wise for us to be isolated. And in order for us not to be isolated, we have to be intentional. That means we have to go out and find people. We have to go out and connect with people. You say, well, I'm not a people person. Well, join the club. You know, I mean, really, join the club. Yeah. We had this guy in our church one time, and he was trying his best to connect with me. And every time he talked, it was like he was dragging his fingernails down a chalkboard. Some of you millennials, I had to go try that later. Uh, and I was praying for him one day. Lord, take him out. He needs to go to heaven right now. Take him out. The Lord said, yeah, I'm going to take you out if you don't change your attitude. And I said, okay, Lord, I need my heart enlarged to be able to tolerate this guy. You know, I mean, sheesh, he was the worship leader in our church. <laughs> and I prayed earnestly, Lord, help me. And you know what happened? He became one of my very best friends in life. But I had to be intentional about loving him. I had to be intentional about connecting to him. I had to get out of my comfort zone, of my preferences, of those things that I liked and didn't like, and f dig just a little bit beyond the surface. And there I found a jewel of a man that became one of my best friends in life. Number nine, look, we only got two more. People who are relevant utilize humor. Man, there ain't nothing worse than getting around a room full of grumpy, take-themselves-too-serious Christians. They're all uptight. 
It's like, man, no, it didn't say that. It said this. It's like, why don't you just cool it for a minute and enjoy life? You ever think about that? I mean, I am like a blues singer. I mean, that's what I do. I sing the blues. I'm a melancholy personality. I have to, whenever I write a song or a sermon, I have to. I have this thing. I have to go back. I write it out. I've written some of the most depressing songs that you can believe, and I have to go back and say, okay, where's the fun factor in this? Now, I got files and files of songs that are so sad, it's like it makes George Jones, he stopped loving her today, sound like a comedy routine. We have to utilize humor. Why? You know, one of the greatest things you could do is smile. I mean, really. It's like when you have this attitude that comes out of you that you're happy, people are going to come around you because guess what? They want to be happy. They're looking for happy people that can be happy with them. It's amazing what happens. I call it spiritual feng shui. <laughs> really, it's in the Bible. Peter had it. He had this aura, you know, this shadow. They'd lay sick people out, and people, you know, Peter would walk by, and his shadow would fall in them, and they'd get healed. Well, what makes you think you're any different? You get around people, you're all serious, grumpy, mad, angry. You're all fuming because you've been sitting home watching Fox News for five hours nonstop. <laughs> and you go out into the world and nobody wants to be around you. They're like, get the heck away from me, man. I don't know what you got, but it's stinky. Leave me alone. But you get around people when you got the joy of the Lord coming out of your heart. And you got that strength working in you. You got that magnetic attraction that people are like, I don't know what you got, but I want some of that. And, and really, I mean, when it all comes down to it, we need to be those, this is a whole other message, I probably better go there. We need to be those people that are demonstrating the reality of the kingdom, of the fact that he made us righteous, not of our works. He made us qualified. Things are as they should be between us, God and the world around us. Righteousness, peace, that we are those people that, ex that exclude, exude, that we don't exclude the peace of God. We exude the peace of God. We are those people that when we get around somebody, it's like, I don't know, Sherry and I, we had this, we had this goal for our home, you know, because when, when Sherry and I came to Jesus, man, we had just been through hell, you know. I mean, my grandmother paid for our divorce, and, and we got back together and got, came to Jesus. It's like, well, we had Jesus in our heart, but... Man, we had, we had learned some bad behavior, and all we knew how to do was fight. 
and we were really good at it. Yeah, she was. She kicked me one night. This is what this is what facilitated Granny paying for our divorce. We got in a fight one night that I lost. And three days later, after having reconstructive surgery on my face, my grandmother came to visit me. I don't know why everybody laughs when I tell that story. It's like, and she looked at me and she said, baby, I will give you the money if you get a divorce. And okay. So then when we got back together, we couldn't tell her because she wanted a refund. <laughs> but we decided, we decided we wanted our home to be a place of peace. And so we started working on it. And the first thing we had to work on was our attitude. How we desired that in our home. The second thing we had to work on was how we talked to each other. Sherry got a prophecy one, one time in church. <laughs> we had this, these folks that come, came to our church that were prophets and Brother and Sister Roundtree, Earl and Vera, from Thomasville, Georgia. They were just sweethearts. Love the Lord, praying people, you know, prophesying. Earl would do this thing when he was preaching. He'd walk out in the crowd and grab you by the hand and say, Walk with me, brother. I'm getting ready to come out and grab some of you right now. <laughs> and, and Vera, she grabbed Sherry one night. She said, Hunt. I got a word from the Lord with you, for you. And she said, I want you to know the Lord spoke to me, and he said, he's going to make you as nice at home as you are at church. <laughs> That's the truth. That is the word of the Lord. Some of you all need to receive that for yourself right now. That's what I'm talking about. But we started working on that. We had this. We just had this value. It's like we want to have a home that's full of peace. And so now we have friends that come over and have dinner. We have one friend that owns a music venue in Kansas City called Knuckleheads. And Frank and Mary Hicks, they'll come over and I'll cook them. I'll grill them a steak and uh, with uh, Oak Ridge barbecue rub on it. And uh, they'll go down to the living room, sit down, and fall asleep. Just because that's there. And when we get around people and we have that attitude, it's like, it's unbelievable. Man, I went off on a tangent on that. Number 10, people who are relevant, listen to the people around them. Man, just because you've been reading the Bible don't mean you know everything. And, you know, a lot of Christians are that way. It's like, you can't carry on a conversation with them because they already know everything. You ever want to talk to somebody that knows everything? What fun is that? Because they're always telling you what they want you to know. But you never really find out anything about them if you won't shut up and listen. Can I use shut up? Okay, thank you. Some churches, that's a bad word. No, really, it's, I'm, I'm serious. We need to be those people that are astute listeners. 
Because if you listen, you'll find keys. And those keys will unlock emotions. They'll unlock, you know, relationships, friendships, all of those things. If you're just open and looking for them. You know, like Paul, he was just walking through this area, and there's a, a monument set up that was marked to the unknown God. He goes, well, let me tell you about that guy. It didn't have anything to do with the Lord, but he just used that. And when we listen to people, we'll find, they'll share things with us. It'll build this, this camaraderie, this trust between us, that we're just not in this relationship for them. You, know, you ever get into, into relationships like that? It's always one way. You know, you got to call, you got to make the visit, you got to do all that stuff. It's like, we got to, it's got to be that bi-directional thing where we're engaging people. But we can do that by listening, by listening to people. All right, there's 10 points. My final verse, and then I'm going to pray. And we're done early. How about that? We're landing the plane early. Isaiah 46, 4. Isaiah 46, 4. Even in your old age and gray hairs, I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I have made you, and I will carry you. I will sustain you, and I will rescue you. You know, the promises of God are so incredibly powerful and important. And us being believers in Jesus qualifies us for all of the promises. The promises of God in Christ are not conditional, they're positional. Because we are in Christ, we are positioned, and all of the promises to us are yes and amen. And so this, this verse in Isaiah 46, 4 it tells us that even in your old age and gray hair, some of you ladies hate that gray hair, I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I have made you, and I will carry you. I will sustain you. He says that twice in that verse. And I will rescue you. Doesn't that sound like the Lord? He is on our side. He is in our corner. He's already fought the battle for us and won every one of them. He is there, will never leave us, never forsake us, never walk away from us, never ashamed of us, never will shame us, never will put guilt on us. Jesus came and said, I'll take all of that stuff. And all he asked, that we believe in him so I know this is a little bit different message because you don't hear people preaching about getting old but because it's something that I'm experiencing and something that you're experiencing it's important that we face it in faith when I turned 60 as I mentioned it really rocked my world because all of a sudden I was faced with the reality that, you know, it's downhill from here. And it really upset me because I started thinking about dying. 
and I wasn't prepared to die. And I, I was really, you know, it really bothered me. I went into a period of depression and, and just worry, just thinking about it. And I was at a meeting uh, one time with our mutual friend, Jim Richards, Dr. Jim Richards. And he was speaking, and he asked this question. Do you know how to die? And my, I'm like, I want to know. I want to know. How do I do this? And he simply said, you die in faith. And then I was reminded of that verse in Hebrews 11, in the champions of faith, and it said, and these having died in faith, didn't receive the promise, but saw it afar off. And in my heart was at peace because I know how to be in faith. And so I can face what's ahead of me, regardless of the outcome, new knees and all, in faith. And I don't have to be in worry or in fear because I know in whom I believe. And so today as I conclude this, maybe you've never believed on Jesus. Well, my question would be why not? He loves you. He cares for you. He has only good things for you because that's all God knows how to make. Just read the first chapter of Genesis. Everything he makes is good. And so when he made you, he said, it's a real good. That's, that's the hillbilly authorized version of the Bible right there. It's, it's very good is what he said. But maybe you've never just made that connection in your heart and said, you know what? I want, I want, I want to follow Jesus. I want to know about Jesus. I want to experience his love for me. Today's the day for you to do that. Maybe you're here and you've, you've put your gift away. You said, you know, I'm disqualified now that I'm this age or that age or I'm not old enough or I'm too old. And I want to encourage you to dust that thing off. You know, once great, always great. And start using those things. You might have to find a different place to use it. But that gift is still valid because the Bible says that the gifts and calling of God are without repentance, meaning when he gives you a gift, he doesn't change his, change his mind. And that's still valid, and age has nothing to do with it. And he wants those gifts to be activated. But if we don't believe that that's possible, if we don't look for the opportunities, then guess what? They're not going to be possible. We're not going to find the opportunities. But if we have faith, and if we believe, and if we're willing to give, then he'll take those things and use them, like in satisfying, fulfilling ways that you could never imagine. And it doesn't matter how young you are, and it doesn't matter how old you are. It only matters that you're willing. And so I like to pray for those that have never received Jesus or maybe you did and you like turned your back and walked away and you're coming back 
And I like to pray for us as we age that we would do it with relevance. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you love us, that you care for us, that you gave all for us. And Lord, that you are not a respecter of persons. You don't discriminate because of our age, young or old. Lord, that you are with us and for us. Father, I pray for those that are here today that are making a decision to follow Jesus. Lord, may that desire be bold and great in their hearts. May they open up their hearts to you and believe on you. And Lord, may they have the desire for the things of God, for the house of God, for the word of God. And from this day forward, may they make choices that points them towards you and towards your kingdom. Lord, we thank you that you're moving in us, with us, and through us. And Lord, we look forward to our gifts being utilized in life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Shannon? Praise God. Amen. 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 I believe what it is relevant what he shared this morning. Amen. For such a time, it's amazing how what you shared last week and what he shared in reference to family and everything, but such a blessing. Amen. The Holy Spirit knows what he's doing, and that's why it's so important that we just take the time to, you know, tune in to him. And, uh, and as uh, uh, Reverend uh, Jimmy had stated earlier, you need prayer. That's so important. We, we don't just go by and just formality here. Uh, we're concerned about people. And what's most important is that people receive Jesus and that they're ministered to and those that are born again. Get someone to agree with you. So don't hesitate to come up here. Uh, make the most important decision of your life by accepting Jesus. And not only that, but living a life of freedom in him so if you need prayer for anything and those that are watching online too you can text the word prayer to to that number three five two four four one three zero one six and uh just just request prayer and we want to agree with you it, life is meant to be lived free and happy and full of joy amen praise god praise god so once again let's give uh, jimmy a hand and don't forget Amen. Thank God for him. Don't forget that uh, if, if you are one you know, you want to be a blessing and you, did, you held off from giving in the normal offering, just go ahead and write, if you write in the checkout, write the checkout to Lake Haven, but make sure you put on the envelope his name, Jimmy Bratchett. That way we can designate that and, and it'll go where it needs to go. And don't forget to stop back at the table. And uh, as he stated earlier, there's a lot of great things that are back there that they have to offer and uh, be a blessing not only to you but other people you know of someone else so just be a blessing to them and um and 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 as we go you can go ahead and stand we're going to enjoy the rest of this chilly day of what we call chili us floridians amen amen setting up for cool yeah yeah super cool sunday yeah super cool sunday next week do not forget about that super it's going to be awesome it's going to be a potluck Bring your dish that you want to share with someone, and we're going to have fun. It's going to be a special service, as we always do. So as you are dismissing, as you're walking out, just say in front of, I don't care if you're a Kansas City fan, Kansas City fan just say, go Bucks, right? Ah, <laughs> oh, no, go Bucks. You are dismissed.